Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Sports Newsletter Podcast. As always, I'm Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, how are you on this wonderful Wednesday? Um, I'm fantastic. Uh, not like we forgot to hit the record button on this one. Um, I get a text from Bennett probably 10 minutes ago that said, are we, are we doing the podcast? And I, was, I completely, completely had forgotten. And then I, I pulled the strength together and ended it for our 20 listeners. Yeah, we're going to absolutely kill it tonight. I'm excited. It's a big day. We got a lot to talk about. I can't remember what we even talked about I, last time. The last one I remember us. I don't remember last Wednesday's. I remember our yeah. I blacked our out. Quote unquote <laughs> I was blacked out. I did it while <laughs> intoxicated. That's a joke. Yeah. If any future employers are listening to this, I do not do my right. job uh, intoxicated. Um, right. All I remember is our our quote unquote emergency podcast about Signetti. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't remember the Wednesday one. But, yeah, we did talk about Signetti then. Okay. Oh, wait, that – Good. But, we, yeah, oh, right, right, right. So we talked about his hiring, yes. right? Yes, but we didn't talk about the press conference No, because yet. it had not occurred. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that explains it. So let's jump into that. He obviously had his press conference on Monday. What did you like from that? Is there anything you didn't like from that? I think it was certainly an entertaining press conference. Um, what I love is that we figured out that Riley Stapleton dated his daughter – um, yes. I think that's the only news that needs to be taken away from this. Also, that he says JMU is the Alabama of the FCS. But that's more of a side note. Let's focus on the fact that what are the odds that Riley Stapleton's ex-girlfriend's <laughs> father would end up being his coach? What are the odds? Kind of hilarious because I'm sure in high school he obviously knew he was coaching at IUP but never thought that he would actually have to play under him, which is hilarious. And then – People have talked about this joke for many, many days. It was like a fun little tidbit in the press conference, and people were like really going on. They are really excited about it, and it was like, it is pretty funny, but <laughs> people, people are really <laughs> pumped about it. It's like, all right, people, everybody settle down here. But no, the whole press conference was interesting because just even the fact that he – because nobody knew that, right? So nobody really brought that up. Signetti <laughs> pretty much brought it up himself, and he kind of did that. They asked him if he knew any of the players, and then he alluded to it. Um, he had a lot of different things that were interesting. He talked at one point, he asked, I couldn't tell who he was looking to because I wasn't there. But he asked, like, should I tell the pig story? And somebody said no, so he didn't tell the pig story. <laughs> no idea what that means. 
But if somebody had told me beforehand, if I would have guessed that the new head coach would have said, can I tell the pig story? I would have guessed, I would have bet against that. No, a hundred percent. There we were. I think it's just such a refreshing experience. We had Mike Houston, what, for three seasons (laughs) of you ask him any questions. uh, It's just a championship opportunity. We're going out there every week. The guys are working really hard. We're really excited for what this bring what the, what this week brings. Uh, we're focused on Colgate, and uh, that's that's what our focus is going to be. And then you bring in Signetti. Should I talk about the pig? It's like what? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes, because Houston was he was a lot of coach speak, and then when he, he didn't have coach speak, he didn't have like it wasn't like a crazy side story. It was more of just like a off the cuff football related yeah. thing. I think there's gonna lot gonna be a lot of very interesting <laughs> Kurt Signetti press conferences because it seems like. Nothing was off limits. He he looked over to Bourne a couple times, even when he was talking about his staff. It was just like, can I say this yet, or do I have to wait for him to do the paperwork? <laughs> there are a lot, a lot of times where he had to be like, can I say this? Which, which I think won't be there for every other press conference he has. I think that's going to be very exciting and kind of hilarious. I think the beginning of it was really funny, too. I forgot what he said, but how when he gets introduced and he's just like, Hiding <laughs> people in the crowd, like he hasn't seen them yeah. in the last forty-eight hours working out this contract. I think he's he's a lot of fun. <laughs> like, granted, we're not really focusing yeah. on that. He said JMU's the Alabama of the FCS or any of his like what would be huge quotes if he didn't say right. any of these other things. But he said a lot of a lot <laughs> of great things for the program too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The actual football <laughs> stuff that he said was important too, and yeah, and it was important when he talked. Yeah, when he talked about it being the Alabama of the FCS, um, I don't think it is because you got North Dakota State at this point. But I think the idea that GMU could get to that point and be the dominant program in the FCS is exciting for the fans. And I think realistic, the facilities and fan base are there. So it's just a matter of actually cashing in and and winning championships. And he had something where he was talking to, I think it was with WHSB, where he had mentioned, what did he say? It was something of where he's like, talked about potentially retiring there he's like oh let's win five or six championships and then throw a yeah. and it was like whoa that reminded me of lebron james when he went to miami not one <laughs> yeah. let's just win five or six and then we can talk about it. it's like all right kurt i love the energy i love it but let's tone it down a couple we do have north dakota state yes. to worry about right it's like what's win your first game and then we'll, <laughs> we'll start talking Lead about the league it. and rushing like you want to and then we can come back to this anyway. yeah yeah, but stuff like that was a big goal. I thought one of the things that really stood out, too, is at the beginning of the press conference, when Jeff Bourne originally spoke and he said it was the best job in the FCS, and then Signetti got up and was like, no, like <laughs> it's not yet, but I want to make it that. And I thought that was interesting, where he, he did seem to understand, even though he called us the Alabama of the FCS, he did seem to understand that there's a difference between JMU and North Dakota State right now in terms of where both programs are and the success that both teams are having. And while JMU fans at times might put themselves in the same class as North Dakota State. They're really, in terms of the record, they're not there. Yeah, and uh, what he said something else that was oh, it was interesting. When he was, I think it was the sit-down he had with WHSB, and he talked about, he mm-hmm. was like, I planned on retiring at Elon. I could have retired at Elon. I right. could have not taken this job easily. And it was kind of like a, oh, he's kind of pushing himself here. He understood he had the world at Elon, and instead he's kind of, coming here to to push push the boundaries a little of of his own personal self yeah i thought that was interesting too and it it was interesting because there's obviously the question of how far does he want to push in his career he's 57 years old but for a coach i mean you can coach well into your 70s so there's still 
if he has great success at JMU, there's still a chance he could leave to an FBS program if that's something he's interested in. Or there's the chance that he says, hey, I'm going to spend a decade plus yeah. at JMU, win all those championships and do that. It's really no way to know. He's got three kids. They're all out of college now. Uh, I think the, the youngest, he might have been doing like med school. Cool. But even then, it's like, I mean, they're doing stuff that isn't, you know, undergrad. So I think they wouldn't be overly concerned yeah, they're on where the family is in terms of, right right exactly and so him talking about being the alabama of fbs and all of these these things it, it just had me think of automatically the obligatory we have to do a quick fcs or fbs kind of two things i'm going to ask you about this first question do you think if jmu plans on moving up i think we kind of touched on this in the uh last podcast if JMU plans on moving up, do you think Signetti is the leader that this program needs to take them to that next level? Or do you think it's better to stay in the FCS and be the Alabama of the SCS? FCS. Yeah, so I'll give you kind of a half answer. So I think that depending on the conference, it would be better to go FBS. So if let's say we're talking about like Sun Belt or Conference USA or like the MAC, in that case, I wouldn't go. I would stay in the FCS where you can play like Richmond's, Delaware's, William and Mary, those kind of fun matchups. But if you're if you're invited into like the American Athletic Conference or something along those lines, there's been some rumblings, and it's still really early, of teams like UCF potentially moving up to the Big Twelve or other programs in the AAC or even the AAC moving to like fourteen teams and adding a couple of programs. If something like that happens and JMU is invited, I would hundred percent jump at that. I think JMU should. And I think that Signetti would be a great coach to lead him through that. Just for me, you look at what UCF's done and UCF's ceiling, like an, an AAC team, the ceiling there is that you're arguing to be in the FBS National Championship. You're finishing the season in the top 10. You're right up there with Ohio State's and kind of Alabama's, maybe a little bit less, but beat Auburn last year. I mean, just imagine JMU playing Auburn in a bowl game and winning. Ooh. Like, to me, that would be more exciting than winning Look, Frisco's great. Frisco's great. I think that's a crazy experience. <laughs> good catch, good catch. But you, yeah, but I mean, you also have to like, you know, you have to have a spectacular season to get to Frisco every year. And even then, is that really like the best end game you can have? I mean, you look at last year where the Dukes lost in Frisco and that was kind of down, but still a great experience and a great moment. But if you're looking at playing a team like Auburn nationally televised and it's just this huge thing that I think would bring a lot more casual fans yeah. together i think that's something that if you're like a casual alumni you'd be more interested in that than you would in like the fcs play yeah i think being in fcs and getting to frisco and doing those runs it creates a more crazed fan base but not a bigger yes. fan base like it's going to yeah, make agree. the fans that are fans bigger fans but it's not going to make the casual fan more of a fan i don't know if that made you understand yeah. what i'm saying but i don't know if it that made sense like, yeah yeah so being in that FBS, going to say wherever UCF goes, I think they went to the Fiesta Bowl last year, or like yeah, something like that. I can't remember what it was. January first yeah. bowls, or like one of the bigger name yeah. bowls. I think yeah, that brings a little bit more of casual fans clicking to ESPN or CBS or ABC and saying, "Oh, wow, this is I graduated from here. Right, watch this." Right, and I think going off that too is there's also been a ton of stuff that seems very likely that in the next like probably three to five years, it expands to an 18 playoff, Yeah, which I think means that AAC schools are going to get in. If you're a really good mid major, so to speak, or group of five school. So if JMU did move up, 
got really good at that level, there, I mean, there would be a possibility they could play in the college football playoff. I'm obviously getting ahead of myself a lot. That would be probably decades, at least a decade or so away. But I think that with the resources JMU has, if they're able to move up to a conference like that, I don't think it would take that long for them to be very, very competitive on a national landscape. And speaking of ways to get themselves competitive on that national landscape, yes, that's the perfect segue, honestly, into what today was the early National Signing Day, National Signing Day early. Yes. Yeah. Weird thing yeah. that's happened in college football that's pushed up signing day so far into right. not FBS seasons, but into the FCS season, honestly. But today, a lot right. of big guys signing. Anyone, just overall, first off, did you like this signing period for the Dukes? I thought it was good. I think they signed, I think it was yep. like eight guys, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, they seemed good from what I looked at. The one, the one thing I will say is it's so hard to ever be down on like a national signing yeah. day. Like it's, I feel like it's so hard. I've never seen a fan base. I've seen Florida state and Miami today. were kind of down just because of where they were on like national rankings. But at the FCS, there really aren't many rankings as to like who has the best class. I think hero sports does some, but I wouldn't say it's like that many people are really have eyes on it or take it as like back necessarily. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, with, with the lack of rankings, pretty much everyone you see and you're just looking at their highlights, right? Nobody's putting like, <laughs> <laughs> subpar plays on huddle so you're looking at like these weird little videos of them and of course they look great um so i think at that point everyone's pumped but there were a few guys that that kind of stood out what was your what were your makings of this class or at least the the portion of it from the early signing day so i think i have kind i guess it's three but uh, two i'm gonna say two yeah. Um, I really like the signing of Dorian Davis, the cornerback out of Shelby, mm-hmm. North Carolina. I don't know why he's only – this is North Carolina, so I don't really know how they work, but just played in the 2 way mm-hmm. division. But there's just something yeah. about his highlights and his speed that just make me really intrigued to watch him play in his – because I doubt he'll play next year, but in the coming years, right. what mm-hmm. he'll become and into that secondary, I think he'll he'll end up being really good. And then the running back. So that's that's Austin Douglas and C.J. Jackson, one out of Alpharetta, Georgia, and one out of Richmond, Virginia. Um, I'm more high on C.J. Jackson because he's because I know the way high schools played. I know Hermitage. I know that five A mm-hmm. first team all region as a junior is really 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 good. But then a number that sticks out to me for Austin Douglas is that his senior year he averaged ten and a half yards per carry. He rushed for over 1,500 yards and 17 touchdowns. So he was nasty down there in Georgia, too. Yeah. And I, I think I'm really excited for both of those running backs to add to this depth. It seems like JMU might be the, the running back factory of the FCS. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think they're, they're building quite a bit at running back. And, and kind of going off a point you made earlier that I think is really important is that so many of these guys are probably going to redshirt or have like minimal snaps this year just because of how much comes back on the roster. So it's exciting, but this is a lot of these guys are going to be two, three, four years down the road when they really start to make their, their big impact. But yeah, I think the running backs stood out to me a lot. Um, I watched a little bit of the highlights of Austin Douglas and he has unbelievable hands out of the backfield. I've never seen, I mean, his first couple of highlights were him like, running a route and he was like in a crowd and went up and high pointed the ball and it just didn't seem normal for a running back. <laughs> so I think that's something that's going to be awesome. He's big. 
he runs hard. He's fast. And C.J. Jackson, too, obviously missed, I think, this his senior season of high school with an injury. But he's fully healthy now, I believe, so he'll be able to get in there and start training. Was great as a junior. His highlights are ridiculous. He's incredibly shifty. And then another guy who I think didn't get a ton of love was Jordan White. He's a safety from New Jersey. I was looking at his stuff. He's a really good, really good in, in running plays, coming up and stopping the run. But he also played wide receiver in high school, and he was unbelievable with the ball in his hands. So he's someone, to me, that could kind of step in and fill that role of D'Angelo Amos down the line where he might be a potential punt returner too just because of what mm-hmm. he can do with the ball in his hands from that safety spot. So the running backs and then White kind of stood out to me. But overall, I think it was a good class. I think Jamie's adding some athletes that are really impressive. So how do you think Signetti's going to kind of deal with this class? You could argue I – mean, I don't know if you could really argue it. It's more – I'm afraid to say fact. But fact, this is Mike Houston's recruiting class. This is the right. class he went out and got. Signetti went out and got Elon's recruiting class. Um, I haven't looked at Elon's recruiting class to see how – if the players are similar and maybe, James, you just got a step above. Right. But do you think that's going right. to impact anything? I know they all signed with JMU and they all practically said, we signed to JMU, not the coach. But I feel like there's going to be something there that's going to – it's going to do something to that group. I, I don't know. I want to know your take on this being Mike Houston's recruiting class that Signetti's now inherited. Is that a good or bad thing? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it depends a little bit like on the player and the position. So for the running backs, Signetti obviously runs, wants to run the ball a ton, so I think it's probably great news for them just because they're really talented backs. I think they could easily fit into a system. Uh, Tanner Morris was the offensive lineman who signed, and I think he was down to like Elon and JMU. That's like we're two of his top places, so I think that considering Signetti probably recruited him there, there's probably not much of an issue there. It'd be interesting to see with a guy like Hunter Bullock, who's the tight end that signed, just because I don't know, you know, how much Elon really used tight ends or how much Signetti uses yeah. tight ends, whether he'll be used more in a blocking capacity. Because I know Kirkpatrick enjoyed using tight ends. You look at Stapleton, Cheatham, uh, Klusterman was obviously heavily involved the last couple of years. So I think when, when Bullock was probably getting recruited, he saw a ton of tight ends getting a ton of action. Um, and I'm not really sure how that'll translate, but I think that Signetti has a similar play style in terms of running the ball and, and playing tough defense that it won't affect him too much. But what are your thoughts on that? See, I, I really don't know. I'm right now looking over the Elon class that they had. Yeah. They signed – they had 11 signees today, three defensive backs, um, a couple mm-hmm. offensive linemen, three offensive linemen that are – one is a 6'2", 300-pound lineman. The other one's 280 and 295. Woo, those are – Woo. Um, but just looking at it, it, it seems like they're kind of similar in the type of people they recruited. A couple running backs, like athlete, more athlete dynamic players and in, in like QB wide receiver type of thing at Elon. Yeah. But I think Houston did it once, taking over Withers's entire team and Withers's mm-hmm. recruiting class and then taking him to a national championship. I think it'll be fine. I'm excited to now we're already talking about next National Signing Day. I'm excited to see the type of players Signetti brings in next year, having all the resources he has at his disposal now. Agreed. And then I'm excited to see sort of how the February class shakes out a little bit too. But I'm assuming some of that is still going to kind of go back to to guys that Houston had recruited, at least 
to a certain extent. So I think that'll still be partially Houston, but yeah, it's going to be really cool to see a full Signetti class next year, especially after the season, which I think Jamie's very capable of having a great season this year. So if they have some more success, it should be even easier to recruit guys. Yeah. I mean, not national championship or bust, but high, right. high expectations. I think Signetti kind of put some high expectations on himself in that yeah. conference. He might've raised them from <laughs> what he said, where he's, He's talking about how four losses was unacceptable and they're trying to win, you know, a ton of games now and national championships. And that should be kind of the expectation. That was certainly intense. And I wasn't sure he was going to go that, that intense in the press conference, but he really went for it. He made some joke at the beginning. Like, should I leave something out there or should I go all in? He kind of like <laughs> went after it. So, yeah, that's the fact that he said that four losses was unacceptable. I also felt like it was kind of a dig at Houston. Yeah, it, I think, and I have obviously no way of knowing this, but I think that he seems like a competitive guy, and I think given his background and stuff, I think that he genuinely probably thinks he's a better coach. Yeah. He beat him this beat him this year with a team that probably isn't as talented on paper or on the road. I think he thinks he's he's probably like the best coach in FCS <laughs> football from just how he yeah, talks. That's, that's all the type of, type of confidence we need, though. Like Exactly. That, Whew, I'm excited for this season. It felt like we couldn't get over with the football season when we were talking about it earlier. And then all of right. a sudden, now that it's over, I just want it back. And I think the sad part of that <laughs> is that next year when it's back, I won't be a student. Yeah. It's not as fun. It's still fun. <laughs> but it definitely hurts a little bit. Yeah, so I think that's that pretty much covers most of the football, football yeah. stuff. And yeah. now to everyone's favorite. So we got Yikes. You just said you're getting back on the bandwagon. I, well, if they win, if all right, so we're talking about Jamie <laughs> men's basketball. Whether we're on the bandwagon or off the bandwagon, uh, it's hard with this team because of the sale. If anyone wants to buy them, yes, um, they play Fordham. Ooh, what I know who Fordham is, but like, are they good? Yeah, they're better than uh, we are. Yeah, uh, I mean, that doesn't mean a lot. I, I but I'm I'm looking. They have a win. They have a win over Rutgers, and Rutgers is actually playing reasonably well this well, year. Well, is Rutgers uh, receiving so... votes? Oh, it's, Rutgers is better than Radford. Damn. I'll take Rutgers any day. Darn. No, I think Rutgers has a pretty solid solid group, though. Um, they played Wisconsin close in a game earlier this year. They're not great, but I think Fordham's probably uh, overall a slightly better team. But on the road, they've had 13 days, if my math is right, to prepare. Maybe 14. Something no, no, 13, 13. But, yeah, 13 days to prepare. They should be well-rested. They should be ready to go. They lost against George Mason in kind of a crappy outing the last time out. They haven't won consecutive games since they beat Bridgewater in Charlotte early November. Let's count that out. Oh, they still technically won consecutive games. Yeah, because they had – yeah, yeah. So what are your thoughts on this game at Fordham? And then CAA play starts right after that. So what do you expect in CAA play? What do you think – fans need to see to feel good about this team and what would get you on the Jamie basketball bandwagon, which you were on pretty hard here. I, I know. I, I'm, I'm very flip-flop with it. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm going to talk quickly about Fordham for two reasons. I don't know a lot about them. And yeah. two, I don't think this game means a lot. Yeah. But saying that, I want them to win it. I think they should win it. I think they can. I think if Matt and Stuck can get into a, a rhythm, a type of form, that's big. I think this is a big momentum game going into conference play. 
I think that if they can start getting their shots to kind of fall and get, get some type of offensive rhythm going, see if they can try Deshaun Parker at the one, Matt at the two, stuck at that, that lineup I yeah. did last Saturday. I would love to see that, but all said and done, probably won't happen. So then conference play, you, I, we posted it on Jamie's Ford's newsletter, the honestly terrible net rankings that the yes. CAA has the highest ranked net ranked team, which net ranking is some new way that the NCAA does rankings in a certain mm-hmm. way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charleston is at 102. Hofstra 124 and then just down the line, it, 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 it's not good. So I really think, JMU has a chance to kind of capitalize in this conference. And if they can start to get some games to go their way and start to find things end game and, and kind of pull away, I think this conference play can be very beneficial to them. Yeah, no, that's a fair point is that they're not going up against like ACC teams the rest of the way. Like yeah. you got Fordham and then the CAA. So it's, it's not that hard. College of Charleston does look pretty good, but they're even then they weren't whenever you put that graphic together, they weren't even in the top 100 of the net yeah. rankings, even though they look respectable. I don't think there's a single team. And we've said it a million times that Jane, you can't beat my issue is that they're so inconsistent. They don't win back to back games. I'm worried that they're going to put it in like a four or five game losing streak against teams that they probably should beat. And that's my concern here coming up is they got Fordham on the road, William Mary on the road, Elon on the road. None of those teams are world beaters, but they're all on the road. They haven't won more than three games on the road in a season under row, which is awful. It's just so bad. Haven't done it. I just have a hard time seeing them putting together back-to-back wins at any point in that three-game road stretch. Then you get three games at home, but the College of Charleston is in there, which makes me think they won't be winning back-to-back games. A couple more road games, Northeastern in their next homestand. They just don't have a homestand, to me, that looks like they're going to be able to string a few together, and that's why I'm I'm concerned about this team the rest of the way. Their only real homestand is that three home three game homestand. Yeah, at the very beginning of conference play, you play at at and then three homes. UNC right. Dub, which is a good team, I know they. I think they lost. Uh, what was his name? Don't remind me. We'll have thirty seconds of dead air of me trying to think of it. Kaycock is that his name? Yeah, I think he's is he out. Is he? Gra- I thought he graduated. No, I think he's still here, but okay. I could be wrong. Well, that's great. Great for JMU. Well, then I this- think he's like the one. Yeah, they got him. He. I just looked up their roster, and there's a man whose biceps are the size of my entire body, so he's still there. <laughs> so yeah, you gotta, you gotta. I'm gonna send you this roster pick. This is frightening. <laughs> so, Kaycock is still at UNC Dubs. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard game. College of Charleston. They're the best net ranked team in the CAA. Then Towson. Towson's not a good team. Towson is 288 in the net rankings. And I hate to focus on the rankings, but I just – they can't string things together. And because then they can't string things together, question for you. I've been coming at you hot with these questions. Yes. Lou Rowe, does every loss his seat get a little hotter? I think it has to. The one thing that he's doing well still is recruiting. But it – some of it, too, they could have a bad conference slate, and then they win three in a row in the conference tournament or something and, like, get to the CAA finals, and I feel like everybody kind of forgives him, or if they win that tournament, then people really don't care. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, they got to – I think that they need at least 15 wins, which would be either they beat Fordham and then they win – if they beat Fordham, they would have to win seven conference games. So go seven and 11, 
or they could lose and go eight and ten. And that would just get them to 15, which is still not great at all. But I think if you, you look at 10 wins, 10 wins, and then 15, and then maybe one or two to get to 16 and 17, I think people are going to kind of be a little more forgiving. I just really want – I want to have a, a positive win record in conference. I would love to go 10 and 8. If they go above 500, I think that his, his seed probably wouldn't be that hot at all. I think yeah. they'd be – I think Bourne would be okay with that because they're bringing in – Michael Christmas is a big recruit next year. And, of course, the core – of the team is sophomores. So that is a big benefit. And to me, this, this stretch here where they did have so much time off is going to tell us a little bit about Roe as a coach. That's true. If, the, if they have like two weeks to just practice and he had been talking a lot about this stretch of kind of dead time almost, and then they have eight days before they play William and Mary with the Christmas holiday sprinkled in. If they can go and play well in these next two games and it shows that they've been prepping really well, I think that's a positive. They go out and they look terrible and they lay an egg. I'm, that's you got to kind of worry about the rest of the season if they're not ready to go after twelve days off. Yeah, you've had you have all these days off to focus purely on Fordham, and then I didn't even realize they have eight days between Fordham and conference play. So yeah. you put all of your focus into Fordham in this two week, little less than two week stretch, and then you have time to put all of your focus into William and Mary. Like, right there's no excuse to come out and just be flabbergasted by the way Fordham's running their offense or the way they run a prep. If you can please just figure out how to break a press, all your problems will be fixed. I know I'm not a coach and this is my quick armchair coaching corner, Yeah, but please just learn how to break a press. That is bad. They've also got five games Fordham through college of Charleston um, before they're officially back in second semester of classes. So I think that gives you a time where like, your mind you would think would then just be on like basketball and hanging out and enjoying life. So if that, if that's your focus, you'd want them to be kind of locked in in these games. Could you imagine this team rattling off a five game win streak right now out of semester? And then when they get back into classes, like go 500 or below 500, something like that. And you just figure out, Oh, they just don't need to take classes and then they're good. <laughs> if they yeah, just get them out of class, let's just have them, you know, part-time students. No, but if they could, yeah, I mean, if they do get a few wins together, three, four, five in a row, then I think it completely changes the entire mood around the program, sort of like the Radford win did. I think that that one got people really excited, and then they followed it up with a kind of a crappy performance against George Mason, and everyone's like, oh, here we go. So that's what they – they need back-to-back wins to get people excited. This team could be on such a high right now if they beat Radford and yeah. George Mason. You could be on yeah. such a high, but instead – the last thing we remember from this JMU men's team is that Lou Rowe did not shake George Mason's coach's hand. Yeah. Like, that's our last memory <laughs> of this team. A, a three technical foul game in which you, right. you could have beat them, but you just kind of blew it in the second half and you just didn't shake the – like, that's our last thought of this team. And it could have been, wow, they – beat a Radford team. They beat a, the George Mason Patriots, our rival, but instead it's not. Right. Yeah, tough loss. I think he eventually shook his hand, but like at his own waist, it was one of the weirdest yeah. things I've seen. It was, it was odd. But yeah, the damage is done when you like, <laughs> he reaches his hand out in your hand. It's like in your pocket. <laughs> and then like you're moving but... away from him as he like, tries to... nope, <laughs> right. no, no. Yeah. No, it was not a great look. So then, kind of moving to a heartbreaking loss, Jamie women's basketball played at Wake Forest Monday, and they had the game oh, in the last 10 God. seconds. They had it. 
ended up losing in really heartbreaking fashion by a point fifty to forty nine. That would have been a pretty good win. I think the women's basketball website still says RPI instead of net, but I, I don't really know. But anyway, it would have been a big like resume building win. They lose it in tough fashion. So now they're on back to back losses. They're six and three. Have a really tough matchup on Friday with St. John's, which is a good team. It is in Harrisonburg, which is helpful. But what are your thoughts on the loss? What are your thoughts on the next couple of games? And then the conference play, which doesn't start until January. So we'll obviously have plenty of time to talk about um, that. I'm really excited for this St. John's game. I really think they have the opportunity to win it. Um, and I think they should win it because th- this team has, what, three losses on there? Yeah, three losses on their, their uh, what's it called, resume. Yeah. Wow, I could not think mm-hmm. right. Three losses on their resume, one being to a very, 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 very good Maryland team, and the other one to a Hampton team where they just completely played their worst game of basketball I think they've ever played since they were three. And then a Wake Forest game where you have it won late and your star players that you normally can rely on kind of mess up, which isn't, isn't normal. Right. I think that's what stood out the most to me personally it was kind of a weird morning game i think it 11 was 11 a.m tip it had to have been some I like think it was 11 or noon tip yeah it was 11 a.m it had to be some weird promotion or something. i don't know but yeah kamaya smalls she was five or 20 from the field oh for five from three oh. and she was two for six oh. two of six from the free throw oh. line and she had two free throws late when they're up 49 48 missed both and then ended up fouling somebody on the other end who ended up sinking two free throws and, to beat him by one. So I'm sure she's someone who's pretty hard on herself and has really high expectations. So I'm sure she has been kicking herself the last couple of days. The irony of that all, I believe the person who hit the free throws to finish it for Wake Forest was 0 for 6 from yep. the field. 0 of 11. Oh, oh, even, even, even worse. Shoot, like, just think, like, can you imagine that you – you found someone who hasn't hit a shot, and they need to hit both to win it. And they <laughs> hit both. Like, you picked the – I know it wasn't their intention to foul there, but you literally picked the best right. person to foul like, without even trying, and somehow, some way, they still managed to sink both. Yeah, and it was a game that was not good for the eyes if you were there. So you, you look at <laughs> – both teams really struggled to shoot the ball. Wake Forest shot 25% on the game. That's a good, J- that's really J- good clip. Wow. JMU scorching at 27.9. <clears throat> so just awful. They combined to shoot, let's see, they combined to shoot 7 of 32 from the three-point line, which is like right around 20%. That's really terrible. So it was awful, yeah, 50 to 49 no shooting was positive. I mean, just kind of a rough game on both ends. Pretty good amount of fouls on both sides, 36 fouls. So there are a lot of free throws. There was just a lot of struggling overall. And Jamie still had the game. I mean, they're going to win a game after shooting 27 They should have won the game. Against an AC, yeah, against an ACC team, which would have been huge. But they weren't able to get it done. They've got to kind of rebound against St. John's. I mean, they're still – kind of what we thought they were they're a really good defensive team and if they play well offensively they can win a lot of games if they don't they might lose some games like they did to wake forest but i think in conference play they should be really competitive but the ca this year they're really good northeastern i think i'll have to check and see if they lost a game yet but last time i checked they were undefeated and they had wins over florida 
and other really solid teams. So they had been, they just lost to Maris. So they do have one loss now, but they're a pretty good team looking good. Uh, Drexel's pretty solid. Elon's not quite what they were, but they're competitive group. So, I mean, if JMU wants to win the conference this year, they're going to have to kind of step it up a little bit offensively. And that goes along with the news that Kelly Kashuda will not be coming back to the team. And she is no longer with the program. Yeah. That, that, that's going to hurt for him. That's, it, you're already kind of weak, not weak, but you're thin. That's a better way to put it. You're already thin in your front right. court with its. I believe you only have Kayla Cooper Williams, um, Lexi, not Look Lexi, that. Devin Merritt. Yeah, I, I'm really drawing a blank on their front court. Those are kind of the two, the two Anita. main people. Yeah, none of those, none of those players are kind of known it for scoring either yeah. they're better defenders than they are offensive players that's where kelly was so helpful yeah but i the addition of jackie benitez is looking really good now the flame thrower yes i mean her statistics aren't really showing it but man she is a flame thrower but again but, but this st john's game is big for him i think the robert morris game is a tune-up game before they head into the the caa yep. play I think CAA play, though, they do have to kind of get better. But at the same time, I think conference play forces you to be better. And right. I think they'll only drop two or three games in conference play. Yeah, I mean, they've got some games. You look early, they have an at Drexel. They start off at Delaware at Drexel. If they get through those two, I think there's a chance they put a huge winning streak together. Drexel is one of the best teams in the conference. Uh, Northeastern's really tough, but they get them at home. I think that's a game they yeah. win. So if they're if they're able to kind of get a streak going, that'd be huge. Right now they're six and three. If they're able to get by St. John's, Robert Moore is eight and three, and then maybe win, you know, the first five conference games or something like that. You're sitting at thirteen and three on a seven game win streak, feeling pretty good about yourself. So there's still a lot there that I think they're gonna be able to take advantage of in conference play. But it is disappointing because beating a team like Wake Forest, you'd have a win over Dayton, George Washington, Georgetown, potentially St. John's. At that point, if you have a great conference record, you're starting to at least put yourself in the conversation for an at-large bid. And right now at six and three, they have a lot of work to do if they do want to get an at-large. Yeah, point. I don't. I I think the loss of the Wake Forest kind of threw out all of their at-large, their minuscule at-large bid chances, just because Georgetown and George Washington aren't the best teams in terms of RPI right now. Right. They're kind of on a down year, and you didn't really play Maryland that well. You kind of got blown right. out there. Dayton, yeah, they're a great team, but they're not a AC. They're not a power. I mean, they're not a great team. They're a good team. Um, right, right. So that Wake Forest loss. If you were going to have an at-large chance, you needed to beat Wake Forest. You needed to beat St. John's, and you couldn't hit two free throws late. I still, I think my stock has moved over from men's basketball though to women's basketball. That's what I'll. Say. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I feel I feel pretty good about how this team's going to finish the season. They're fun to watch. I think they'll be a lot better offensively against CAA squads just because yeah. they're not quite as good on defense. And I think that'll allow them to score. I think they'll get a little bit of a better rhythm now that they know that Kelly's definitely gone. They'll just kind of move with what they've got and, and go from there. So they're certainly in a better spot in terms of the conference than the men's basketball team. Yeah. Yeah, so that's – is that pretty much all I we have? I have one question for you. I have to find it. Did you look at Kaycock's Cock's arms? Yeah. Oh yeah, Kaycock is a monster of a man. Dude, he's that's scary. There it is. Okay, that's minutes. They don't look. Where's points? Are we talking fifty, forty, ninety? Well, that died hard. 
that hard. Yeah, that was, I don't that think that's was. happening. So there goes that talk of there it is. There goes that talk of her 50, 40, 90 journey. She's now at 46, 36, yeah. 71. Yeah. So she was hovering right yeah. there. It, it ends in, did you put heartbreak on the outline? It ends in heartbreak. I think you put that. Yes, but, I did. I, that's something I would but say. Yeah. I would have put it too. It did. <laughs> yeah. I just, she has to go crazy from the free throw line. And, and from the floor. She just has to go crazy. She three. can't miss a shot for the next 15 <laughs> games. I'm calling it now. Right. But right. this was the question I was going to ask. Going into conference play, they know Kamai is great. Pre, I believe preseason player of the year. Putting it together to be the, the player of the year this year. She's really, really, really good. Are they going to lock her in? And do you think Jackie Benitez slowly but surely might become the team's leader in scoring? That is actually a very good question. Hmm. I didn't even thought about that. Because you put Jackie behind that three-point line. They're going to crash in anytime Kamaya drives to the hole. They're going to crash in. If you can get that kick out, Jackie's there. And if if she gives you, if you give her a centimeter of separation, she's pulling up. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at minutes here too. Kamaya's averaging 30 and Jackie's at 22. So that'll be a big factor. But if she gets more minutes, she hasn't, she's only started one game this year. If she gets more minutes, there's a legit chance. Right now, Kamaya's at like 18 points a game, and Jackie's at 11.8. But if we look at like just conference points per game scoring, it actually could be pretty close because Kelly's obviously taken a lot of shots when she was in, scored a lot. Lexi's getting going a little bit. That's a good question. I th- I'm going to give Kamaya the edge okay. just because I think she's going to take take more shots. But I do think Jackie's going to put up a lot of shots. In I think play. Jackie may beat Kamaya for the sheer reason that Jackie is going to take a majority of her shots behind the three-point line. And Kamaya yeah. is going to drive to the hole and get a lot of free throws. So I think Jackie will make less shots, but either will be just ahead of her or right around her. If she's able to shoot a higher percentage right now, she's like 33% from the floor. That's that's nuts. Seventy one of her ninety four shots have been from yeah. three. And the other so ones she's are, just jacking the other threes. Ones are mid-range jumpers. <clears throat> yeah, it's probably her like forgetting that she's not. <laughs> oh the man, one not just... again. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean if she gets like closer to forty percent from three right now, she's at thirty two, then yeah, she's got a great shot. It'll just be a matter of whether she can make them. But yeah, she's not gonna be shy about taking them. <laughs> That'll be a fun one to watch for the rest for the for conference play. I, I yeah. That is good. We need to track the, that. The Jackie or Kamaya trackers. We're gonna we're gonna put that live somehow, some way. We're gonna put that on the website. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. I wish there was a way that was like easy yeah. to have it track track like you know JMU games with live. If scoring, anyone but... knows how to work WordPress and do that, um, great people. Yeah, and wants to do it for free. <laughs> That'd be really nice. Also, Marriott, yeah. ESPN. Uh, we're still yes. waiting on the check. Once we get like five or six sponsorships, we're gonna blow Especially up. Especially from those big guys, like Marriott. yeah, like a Marriott. Like if they could just <laughs> give us hotel rooms and we can travel with the team, we yes, get that'd be, okay, that'd be pretty cool. Right, and we give them like twenty minute ads every honestly our every episode. Ad, our entire podcast could be one big ad form, like we are right now. Yeah, just sleep at Marriott. Marriott, I know <laughs> like we are right Anchor's now. trying to tell us you want it, so call us. Yes, we will accept all that. So I think that's 
that's it for this week. How long did we uh, talk this for? This was a 43 minute and 34 second episode. I always say that we quick and then we're. I, this is yeah. a lot quicker than our other ones. We normally ramble for about an hour. True. True. I figure next week we'll take off with the, the holiday. That sounds good. Honestly, I would. And I'll then come off. i text you next Wednesday. Be like, are you podcasting? <laughs> and then. So what is this? 19th. Yeah, we'll skip next week on the 22nd and then come back on January 2nd. We'll have actually more things to talk about because the team will play. Games. Yeah, it, maybe we should have taken the last couple of weeks off because it's been a problem. Hey, but whatever. We're here. Yeah. We will see you in two weeks, people. Yes. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your Thursday, a wonderful holiday season, a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all of those great things. See ya. Yes. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.